What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Rich. This is Straight to the Bank. I am your host, Jordan Richards. You can follow me on Twitter and X at Rich. This show is going to be a little bit different than the ones I've done in the past. I did the preview show with Jordan Vanek last week. That was a fire show. Shout out to JV for being on that one. But this one will be looking at sportsbook lines, and I'll be comparing them to Fantasy Life's rankings and seeing how do they compare, how do they shake up, and how can we take advantage of of the fantasy community and use some of these sportsbook lines to add to our process. So first and foremost, it's late as hell right now. It's 1.45 in the morning as I stare at my computer screen, which I have been doing for God knows how long now, whether it's getting articles ready for the website, whether it's creating graphics for the show, whether it's building these projections themselves, which have been a bit of a hassle because of course, I want to talk about all the players, but in reality, the books, they don't want to give out too much information. They don't want to be giving me everything on a Thursday. They, you know, they wait till Friday. They wait till Saturday to the last possible minute because they don't want to get hammered on some of these lines. But one of the good things about the books is they do love themselves some quarterbacks. So I will be able to touch on some things I wanted to teach you guys using the quarterbacks as an example. So as I kind of mentioned off the intro, I took all of these sportsbook lines from DraftKings Sportsbook, I put them into a spreadsheet, and I built fantasy football projections with them. Now, of course, I do have some data, not all the data because not all the lines are out. So some of the receiver data is missing, like a lot of the reception data and some of the running back data is missing as well. But a lot of the quarterback data is here, and I've already found some really cool things that you guys may not know that you may not have seen And I think when you start to look at things from a betting perspective, it gives you a new outlook for what you can expect for fantasy football. So right off the rip, I'm going to dive into these fantasy life rankings for these quarterbacks. I may touch on the running backs and I probably won't the receivers and tight ends. There just isn't enough data to really draw any conclusions. So of course, the two quarterbacks that played in the Thursday night game are not part of this sample because there's no book lines for them anymore. But actually, before Jalen Hurts was the top rated quarterback, he was ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And it's easy for me to say that now because the kid balled out on Thursday Night Football, taking the Eagles to a win. And Kirk Cousins, honestly, didn't do so bad for himself either. So credit to Kirk Cousins for that. But right off the rip, as I mentioned, starting with the Fantasy Life rankings at QB1, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow round out your top five. Very interesting for me because when you compare that to the book lines, things get a little bit different. Now, of course, Mahomes and Allen are in a tier of their own. They are the only players that that Fantasy Life has projected for over 21 points. So that's a big factor there. Now, if you want to go look at the DraftKings numbers, they are a little bit different. And that's where I think you're already seeing some discrepancies. And I'll tell you exactly why and why this is such a valuable tool because they are setting lines from a different perspective. But also, when you're looking at fantasy lines, the big thing is is that some people value ceilings, some people value floors, some people look at medians. I think the sports books have the best handle when it comes to actually building out projections. They have the most data, the most information, and more importantly, the most money being put on these lines week in and week out. And so I, like I mentioned, just pulled these lines very recently, both from Fantasy Life and from DraftKings, except... These drafting lines are being updated every minute, every second, every time someone places a bet, they're taking in new information. So they are literally being updated all day, all the time. But the DraftKings rankings, as I mentioned, are a little bit different. And one of the main reasons why is 
when you compare some of these lines that they have out in DraftKings Sportsbook to what they have at Fantasy Life, one of the key guys who really stands out is actually Trevor Lawrence. And you're probably like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. He's their QB3 right now, actually tied with Joe Burrow based on all of the numbers, whether it's passing, passing touchdowns, interceptions, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. They're all factored in. But he is tied with Joe Burrow for QB4 based off the book lines that they have at DraftKings Sportsbook. But you go over, look at the Fantasy Life projections, and they have him all the way down at QB number eight. Now, of course, it's not a drastic number to be all the way down at eight. You know, they're separated by two, three points max. I believe the spread between QB three and QB eight is legit like two points. So we're not talking about a big number here. And it's not much different when you look at the DraftKings ones. I mean, you have Hurts, Allen, and Mahomes way at the top, right? High floor, Mahomes, the only quarterback to be projected at two and a half touchdowns. And I will touch on some of the quarterbacks that aren't even projected for one and a half touchdowns. And we all know who they are. You could probably guess, but it's still a little bit concerning if you're banking on them for fantasy purposes. But as I mentioned, Trevor Lawrence is one of the most interesting quarterbacks for me this week. And I'm not sure if a lot of people are touting him right now, because as you know, I do not tune into a lot of fantasy content. I like to do my own analysis. But overall, you look at Trevor Lawrence, who's he playing? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes already a player that is a very high projection this week. And so those teams are going at it and they have the highest over under on the slate this week. And so that's a game that you should be targeting, whether you're playing DFS, whether you know, you're looking to flex a player. Of course, the Chiefs receiving core is a bit of a dumpster fire and we don't really know what to expect from them. But when you're talking about some of the auxiliary pieces, like even a Zay Jones, even a Christian Kirk is a guy who could be an option. I'm not all the way out on Christian Kirk. For those who may not remember, Christian Kirk had his best game last season against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs really did struggle against the slot. But just looking from that perspective to see DraftKings is saying we expect a lot of scoring in this matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And when you look at a site like Fantasy Life projecting Lawrence down all the way at QBA, you say, well, maybe the sports books are kind of more on the right track because they're the ones that are projecting the total, which again is driven by touchdowns. And what do we need to score fantasy points? We need touchdowns. Whether you're looking at Patrick Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence, this game being the highest projected one on the slate should definitely be a game you're looking to target. And in my opinion, Trevor Lawrence a little bit undervalued in these ranking sets right now at Fantasy Life because of the high total and the upside that could come when you're looking at a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. Now, another quarterback I do love this week that is also pretty high in the DK ranks, but even higher in the Fantasy Life ranks is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, of course, is a quarterback with an extremely high ceiling playing against a Tennessee defense that is god-awful. They allowed 300 yards to Derek Carr last week. And I mean, this week, honestly, I'm projecting massive things. We could see 350 yards. We could see 400 yards. Like, I understand that Kellen Moore is going to run the ball, but the reality is the Tennessee defense is really good at stopping the run. So while a lot of teams will establish it, Kellen Moore may decide to just air it out. And if the Tennessee Titans can't keep up, so be it. But more importantly, the Chargers need to show their dominance on offense after losing last week to the Miami Dolphins. I was really surprised to not see Justin Herbert's passing yards a little bit higher. 285 and a half is about where they're at right now. Maybe a little bit lower on the books. I do have these numbers slightly altered based on the juice to either prop them up or drop them down. But Justin Herbert, a guy who's pretty heavily favored to go over one and a half touchdowns. Of course, you have the passing yards. I believe his is the second highest on the slate only to Patrick Mahomes. So that alone tells you 
very high ceiling for some of these players. Now, this isn't a massive shock, but when you're looking and comparing some of these players, it is a good tool for you to use at your disposal. And so even going further down the list, one of the most probably egregiously ranked players in terms of fantasy life relative to DraftKings is actually Jordan Love. They have Jordan Love slotted all the way down at QB 24, but DraftKings has him at QB 13. Now they have him for 13.9 fantasy points and DraftKings has him for 16.69. Why that discrepancy is, I'm not sure. But I mean, we saw what Jordan Love did last week, and I think we should all be looking forward to more from him than this week. You know, he's up against the Atlanta Falcons, an up and coming defense, in my opinion, but a player that could be a little bit underrated. And whether you're looking at a Jaden Reed, another Luke Musgrave week, maybe Romeo Dobbs has another two touchdowns. Now, I'm not going to project two touchdowns for him, but a guy that we know that can get in the end zone and so could be another value spot at the quarterback position. If you're, you know, choosing between him and some of these other lower tier quarterbacks, I think it's pretty easy to go look at a DraftKings sportsbook and say, hmm, I should probably be probably be higher on that guy because he does have a very high ceiling. And so another guy in this same range, and I think a lot of people will be on him, is Jared Goff. You know, if you want to go on DestinationDevy.com right now and go look up Gene's start sit article, fire me up, sit me down. Jared Goff is right at the top of the list. And when you're on DraftKings Sportsbook, his passing yards over under against the Seahawks, 275 and a half yards. He has the same juice as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen to go over one and a half passing touchdowns. He actually has a lower chance of throwing an interception and even has a small shot of scoring a rushing touchdown. And that's the main reason why Jared Goff is a little bit higher on some of these ranking sets. 18.54 fantasy points right around the same region as Lamar Jackson. Geno Smith still rates very high. And it's so easy to forget that this game was a 48 to 45 affair, absolute monster shootout in Detroit last season. Fantasy Life, again, has them all the way down at QB 18 this week for Jared Goff. And I think they're just not realizing what could happen. Again, another another game on the slate with an extremely high total. If you're looking at a guy like a Josh Reynolds, like a Sam Laporta, this was the game that TJ Hawkinson had 180 yards and two touchdowns against this same Seahawks defense that, while it is a little bit improved, I think we fully expect the Lions to put up points in this game. We could see Jameer Gibbs unleashed. There's a lot of things that could happen, and I think it's funny because the one side that no one's really talking about is what the heck do we do with Seattle? We know that their two tackles potentially aren't going to play in this game, and that's a massive concern, especially against Detroit. But the books don't seem to be as concerned. And to Fantasy Life's credit, they still have Geno at QB7. They still believe they can put up points on this Detroit defense, but that Detroit spread is still Detroit four and a half or Detroit four or Detroit five, whatever the number is when the time that you're listening to this. And they're not really taking into account what Jared Goff could do on the other end. Could be a massive game for Amara St. Brown. We could see a ton of Sam Laporta. We know that Gibbs will be involved. David Montgomery, of course, will do his thing. But again, another flex option in a potentially very high scoring game that the books project is this Detroit Seattle matchup. And then even ahead of that, if you wanted to look at look at another game that is very interesting, but could have some very high scoring quarterback play is, of course, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, of course, both these quarterbacks are high in both ranking sets. Now, DraftKings is a little bit lower on Lamar Jackson. They have him at QB7, 18.65 points. And then, of course, Joe Burrow all the way up at QB4 for DraftKings, QB5 over at Fantasy Life. It's going to be a good game. Hopefully, Joe Burrow can show up in this one. Hopefully, Lamar as well. Both offenses struggled quite a bit 
in their last game. So I am a little bit concerned to see how they look. I think both defenses played, you know, okay. When you really look at week one, the Bengals offense, of course, was atrocious. And I'm curious how much that hurt the defense on the other end. You know, Watson made some brutal errors in that game. Like he at times looked like one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play football. And yes, of course, that's a little bit hyperbole, but it just, it wasn't good. And I think when you look at Watson, you say, if he didn't run a little bit, which he was very successful at doing even last season when he was on the Browns and scoring touchdowns, like he would have just been kind of an average quarterback. And so it's funny to look at him in some of these ranking sets. And like, he's up against Pittsburgh this week. His over-under for passing yards, 214, 213. Like, not very inspiring. Not favored to go over one and a half touchdowns. Now, the rushing, at least, 25 and a half or so, 24 and a half, 23 and a half is about the number. And he's gone over 20 yards every single game he's played for the Cleveland Browns. So a very nice rushing floor for Watson. But the passing upside just isn't really there. And it's like, I don't know what people think is going to happen magically, but like they're going to run the ball with Nick Chubb. They're going to establish it to the high heavens, especially against a team like Pittsburgh that has a great defensive line, but they can still run the ball on them fairly easily. And Nick Chubb, of course, can do it on just about anybody. But to say that he has this upside to be a top 10 quarterback this week might be a little bit overzealous. And that's kind of where I sort of agree with DraftKings because for them to be taking in all this money on a player like Deshaun Watson, he has one of the lowest passing yard totals on the entire slate. I'm going to sort through here. And you want to talk about quarterbacks who have a higher passing yard over under than Deshaun Watson, CJ Stroud, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Derek Carr, Mac Jones, and of course, it only gets worse from there. But we're literally talking about a guy who is not projected to throw for that many yards. And so when the basis, of course, for quarterback scoring really is rooted in the yards, and of course, the touchdowns will factor in rushing yards, all these things. But I don't think that Watson has the rushing upside to supplement that level of lack in the passing game. And so that's where I'm kind of surprised to see him ranked so high by some of these people. And I think it's so easy to say, oh, he's just Sean Watson. He's going to be great. But I think when you look at the DraftKings numbers, you say, oh, yeah, like there really is a case to be made as to why he's maybe not ranked so highly. And so you look at some of the quarterbacks around him, a Baker Mayfield up against Chicago who... We don't expect anything from them. Brock Purdy is a little bit lower in this ranking set. But again, they just don't expect him to do a whole lot. He's not really going to run a lot. 250 yards, a touchdown or two, like depending on how they breaks, that he's slightly favored to go over for half one and a half touchdowns. And then you have Mac Jones up against Miami. Miami played pretty good against the pass. Now they were awful against the run. So I don't know if I agree with this 245 and a half number in terms of the passing yards, but if you expect Mac Jones to be down in this game, which I think we fully expect, even though the Bill Belichick has had some great game plans against Tua, that Miami offense is so good, we fully expect them to put up points. And so if you expect points on the one side, you're going to have to expect a lot of throwing from Mac Jones on the other side. And I think we saw last week that they're more than willing to do it. Yes, they were down pretty early, 16-0 in that game, but I was still kind of surprised they just aired it out all game long and Bill O'Brien continued to trust Mac Jones. And more importantly, Mac Jones didn't make enough mistakes to take them out of the game. Yes, he threw the pick six, but honestly, the weather was so bad, slipped right through Kendrick Bourne's hands. And then once it dried up and the rain stopped, 
he was able to play much better, throw the ball with more accuracy, anticipation, and was a much better quarterback overall. So if we see that Mac Jones this week, we could see a pretty good performance from him and him outperform this, this ranking here that they have for him at Fantasy Life all the way down at QB 22. You know, they have him with Kenny Pickett. They have him with CJ Stroud against Indy. They have him, again, like I mentioned, even slightly ahead of Jordan Love, who I already mentioned that DraftKings has much higher, and then Jimmy Garoppolo as well. You know, the bottom of the list, usual suspects. You have Desmond Ritter way down there on Fantasy Life, absolutely dead last, 11.7 fantasy points. Joshua Dobbs, 12.1. And yes, I did say that Joshua Dobbs was ahead of Desmond Ritter in Fantasy Life's rankings. Now, of course, DraftKings doesn't quite agree with that. They... (laughs) They tend to lean a little bit more on the Desmond Ritter side than the Joshua Dobbs side, but even still a little bit concerning. When you look at the DraftKings ranks, Joshua Dobbs is dead last. You have Bryce Young right after him, Zach Wilson, Sam Howe, Matt Stafford, surprisingly. Um, when you compare him to the Fantasy Life rankings, he is a guy who is a little bit overprojected for them. Um, Stafford, of course, we saw what he did in week one against the Seahawks, but he has a completely different animal on his hands this week up against the San Francisco 49ers. Now they are at home, but it's concerning to see a player like Stafford that it's so easy to look at Stafford and say he can put up 250, 260, 270 passing yards because we know he'll sit back there and just pass it. But in the absence potentially of Puka Nakua and against this Niners defense, a number like 225, 230 and a half passing yards seems pretty reasonable for a quarterback like Stafford because this is a game where they could be down early. They could be getting blown out the half. Stafford may not even play the whole game. Like there's a lot of factors to consider with a quarterback like Stafford. And I'm someone who's like a pretty big fan of Matthew Stafford. I'm excited to see what he's been doing. And I'm curious to see what he can do this week because against the Niners, it's going to be very difficult. But when you compare these two ranking sets, he's a guy who really sticks out because he is highly ranked. And then of course you put him in a system like this, looking at DraftKings, and he grades out much lower. Now, a player who also grades out a lot lower is Sam Howell up against the Denver defense. Now, I don't have a anytime touchdown for him, so that number may be a little bit low, but realistically, Sam Howell probably not going to be more than a plus 200 or so, which would put him about 33%. So it'd bump him up a little bit in the ranks, but I mean, Fantasy Life has him all the way at QB 14 when his passing yard prop against Denver, 205 and a half. And I understand that Denver's pass rush did struggle against the Raiders, but where they're not going to struggle is in the secondary. Pat Sertan can absolutely lock down Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, whoever he's playing against. And then that only leaves one open receiver. And honestly, from what we saw in Sam Howell week one, if he plays the same way, he's going to turn the ball over against his Denver defense. He's not going to be able to just sit back there and deliver the ball. And even still, he made a lot of mistakes against Arizona and it almost cost him the game. And so when you're looking at a player like Howe, who is quite volatile, it's very surprising to see him all the way up at 14, 14.9 fantasy points because it just simply seems like too many points. Like again, 205 passing yards, one of the four quarterbacks that is not projected at one and a half touchdowns. Now, of course, those lines will shift a little bit, but you have Sam Howe, Zach Wilson, Bryce Young, and Joshua Dobbs, along with, of course, Justin Fields as the five quarterbacks that are not listed at one and a half touchdowns at DraftKings Sportsbook. And so that's already pretty concerning. The fact that they won't even put him at one and a half because they know that line is so bad that people will just hammer it. 
that tells me all I need to know about how they project Sam Howell and why he's going to fall a little bit in these ranking sets because if he was at one and a half, he'd be like minus 300, minus 400 to go under. And so they put him at 0.5 touchdowns. And if he goes over, he goes over. But they're still saying there's a pretty decent shot that he doesn't. They're still saying there's a 38% chance that he goes under that number. And so that really is like concerning for me because if Sam Howell doesn't throw any touchdowns, there's no way in hell he should be QB 14. You can project him for a rushing touchdown, but that's just, again, even against Denver, that's just very unlikely to happen. I get that Sam Howell can run for touchdowns, but he's just not at the point for me where I'm willing to rank him all the way up at QB 14. Like he's in the same range right now as Derek Carr was up against Carolina and Carolina is terrible. Daniel Jones, who has the best matchup on the slate up against the Arizona Cardinals, I think the Arizona Cardinals defense will be okay, but again, the Giants, big redemption game. They have to show up. They have to play good, and I think the Day Bowl would keep them in the game longer than necessary because they do need to work on stuff, and they clearly need game reps. You have them in the same range as Anthony Richardson up against Houston's defense, which could give him fits, but again, still projected for 200 yards, um, way under at one and a half touchdowns, but of course, 44, 45 or so rushing yards which is a big boost compared to a Sam Howell who only projected for 18 rushing yards. So again, a big shift, drastic difference there. Similar passing yards, higher passing touchdown probability, and more rushing yards. That's the reason why he deserves to be at 12, and that's the reason why DraftKings Sportsbook also has him at QB12. So another week, another Anthony Richardson top 12 is loading. So everyone who does have him should be pretty excited. Another player that is a little bit lower in these rankings is Russell Wilson on the other side of that Washington game. And part of that is driven by this low total. You know, if you guys have not looked at totals, one thing that sportsbooks do very, very well is project touchdowns. And they're getting so much better at doing it each and every week. And Brian and I will touch on this on the Wake Up Show a little bit as well. We'll talk about some team totals. And I was going through them today. We're talking like over half the games have under 40 point totals, which is absolutely disgusting. And so when you're looking at a game like Denver, Washington, you're expecting it to play out exactly like we saw when Denver played Las Vegas this week. A couple touchdowns, but a lot of punts, not a lot of scoring, not a lot of fantasy points. And it's like literally if you had Devontae Adams this week, you were kind of like, okay, he he did all right. He didn't score, but he was fine. And then Jacoby Myers scores both touchdowns and he goes absolutely bonkers and was like wide receiver in three in fantasy because he scored two touchdowns. I used scored two touchdowns and these guys are just balling out. But if you don't get that, there's just not a lot of volume there. And so when you're looking at a game like Denver, Washington, I believe the total is like 38 and a half, 37. It's, it's legitimately one of the lowest on the slate. And that's a slate that includes Indy and Houston, which could be a God awful game between two rookie quarterbacks. But I mean, we already saw Anthony Richardson move the ball well. I think we fully expect CJ Stroud to be fine. I mean, even his numbers, 223 yards, 1.3 touchdowns, you know, half a pick and a little bit of rushing at 13.38. QB 20 for Fantasy Life's rankings, QB 22 for DraftKings. So not a big discrepancy there either. But again, two quarterbacks that should be fine. And so I'm kind of, again, just looking at these rankings and seeing where are the discrepancies and where can we ultimately kind of find some value. And so when you look at another guy like Justin Fields, I feel like I've been saying this incessantly and, and, you know, I feel so bad for Fields because he's just taken a ton of heat this week. And while I get it, like I wasn't in on Fields, I was kind of like, we'll see. I'm not really buying. I'd probably rather sell. I don't feel very secure about him as a fantasy asset. Like 
he still projects out so well for fantasy. And these are literally the stat lines that DraftKings has for him, which doesn't even include more than one touchdown. Like he's favored to throw a touchdown, but not, not by much. He's like minus 210, I believe, the last time I looked. But Justin Fields right now in terms of fantasy life, his QB 11. DraftKings has him at QB 6, and they have him three points higher than they have at Fantasy Life. Fantasy Life has him at 15.5. DraftKings has him around 18.97, just under 19 points. Like I mentioned, QB 6 for the week. And this is with 176 passing yards as his projection, which, of course, is one of the lowest on the week. 0.59 touchdowns, half a pick, but 63.35 rushing yards. That's the difference. And then 0.62 of scoring a touchdown. So 62% chance of scoring a touchdown. So you look at that and you say, oh my goodness, like just the rushing numbers alone, you're going to tell me that there's like, he's going to get 63 rushing yards, 6.3 points, and then half a touchdown, you know, favored to get half a touchdown. That's already another three points. So you're literally talking about almost 10 points in the bank just off of rushing alone. Just off rushing alone, that is more than Josh Jobs' projection at DraftKings. That's more than Bryce Young's projection at DraftKings. That's more than Zach Wills' projection at DraftKings. That's almost the same as Sam Howell's projection as well. And when you have Justin Fields in fantasy, like I understand that no one's benching him, but you shouldn't be concerned about him. Him, the asset, him, the weapon, him, the player, regardless of how he performs on the field over the long term, yes, we should be a little bit concerned. But for this season... He is going to be just fine. Like there were so many bad performances this week where all these top quarterbacks are like outside the top 20 at quarterback, which is just ridiculous. Whether it's Burrow, Lamar, Mahomes wasn't that great. The only guy who was kind of okay was Fields. Like Fields was the guy who was pretty solid. Lawrence was good. Watson, because he ran in touchdown, he was pretty good. But like Fields was the guy that was bad to everybody, getting ripped left and right for his poor play, for missing reads, for checking down, and still QB 16 on the week. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get the overreaction to say that he's not going to be very good when he's pretty much always good because that's just who he is. He's Justin Fields, the good quarterback for fantasy. In Dynasty, long-term, I get why you maybe want to sell. I'm a little concerned too about the long-term value. But when you look at the books and you say to yourself, what is Justin Fields going to do? It's like, yeah, he's probably going to run for 50 yards. There's a pretty good shot. He's going to touchdown. And yeah, as bad as he is, he can throw for 150 yards and throw a touchdown. Like that's that's not asking him to do a lot, but for fantasy purposes, because of what he does on the ground, he is still so valuable. Like regardless of what you think of him as a passer, he is still so valuable. And that's why it's crazy that he is all the way down at 15.5 fantasy points on fantasy life because that is so low. Like he could literally do that on the ground with no passing. And, and that's just, to me, even if you think it's a medium projection, like to me, it's just simply too low. Like when when you say to me, 60 and a touchdown on the ground, and he can do that every week he wants to. That is 12 fantasy points. Like all the dude would have to do would be to throw for 75 yards through the air, and he's at 15 fantasy points. And we know that like as bad as Desmond Ritter is, he can throw over 75 yards in the game. And he doesn't even throw the ball. Justin Fields is out here throwing the ball for two, throwing for 200 yards in a week. I think the crazy thing about when you compare fantasy to the books, right, is the books are so regimented, so analytically driven, 
And fantasy is just, it's so much sentiment. It's so much, ah, Justin Fields, man, he stinks. He, he's, he's barely a top 12 quarterback. You know, he's probably a fringe top 12 quarterback. I mean, this Tampa Bay defense, they, they give Kirk Cousins fits. I mean, but Kirk Cousins is getting sacked and getting chased in the backfield. You know who's not going to get chased in the backfield? Justin Fields, because he's going to run. Like, he doesn't care about Darnell Mooney. He doesn't care about getting DJ Moore targets. He doesn't care about Cole Komet. He doesn't care about any of them. I mean, I'm sure he does. He's not a terrible person. But he's going to run. Like, he's... Regardless of what you think, yeah, Vita Vea could be running right up the A gap, and Justin Fields is going to run away from him. Like, is he going to get sacked every time? No, he's going to run away sometimes. He's going to run for yards, and especially if they play man coverage on the back end, then it's going to be even easier for Fields to have a field day. Now, I don't think they will a ton because, again, Fields doesn't even read zone very well, so they might as well play zone, sit back, and spy him. But even still, regardless of what you think, Fields can still get it done. And so that's where I'm just very surprised at some of these rankings. Like Jared Goff in one of the highest scoring games in what could legitimately be a 30-30 game, even against the Seahawks, who people think are just like dead right now. The books do not. Like they are very much saying that Geno Smith is alive. Jared Goff is going to be good. Like you could probably start and flex a lot of those players. And then you look at a team like, you know, Puka Nakua, the number one pickup on the week. And the books are saying basically full fade Matthew Stafford, like do not start him. And not that you should against the Niners anyways, but like if you're in a super flex league two QB, the books are saying like, do not start this guy at all. Like don't even consider it. He's not even close. He could have a really tough week, but I think it's crazy. You know, you look at the books and it's just like going down the ranks, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence at three, a little bit undervalued relative to the market, Burrow, Herbert, Fields, Jackson, and then you have the stack of Goff and Geno in this game that could be a very high-scoring environment. You have Tua against the Pats. Surprisingly high for me, you know, Fantasy Life has him a little bit higher at QB6 now, of course, the ceiling for Tua. We already saw it this week, but against Bill's defense, I understand the reservations from the sportsbook. Daniel Jones, fire matchup against Arizona. Anthony Richardson basically falls in line on Fantasy Life and with the books at QB12. As I mentioned, Jordan Love, QB 13 on the books. They believe in Jordan Love, and I'm I'm loving it, man. Like, no pun intended. I am loving the Jordan Love love. Absolutely loving it. I'm really excited to watch that game. I think that Green Bay and Atlanta could be another very sneaky game that could be really good. Um, you know, Desmond Ritter and that QB play and him getting the ball to his weapons aside. I, I'm very excited to see what Green Bay does, even without potentially Christian Watson. And I don't even know if Aaron Jones is going to play. So that could be another big factor because I definitely want to see Aaron Jones in there because he was a massive boost to Jordan Love this past week. Yeah, then you get down to Deshaun Watson. I mentioned that Fantasy Life does have a little bit higher at QB9. Baker Mayfield, the books are in on Baker Mayfield. 230 yards, 1.38 touchdowns, half a pick. And then even a small shot at a rushing touchdown for Baker. Baker was telling boys to get their weight up in Minnesota coming out with a big dub. But again, against Chicago, we saw what Jordan Love did. We saw what that defense on the back end did for Chicago. Mike Evans is still there. Chris Godwin is still there. Baker Mayfield could definitely be in play. And I wouldn't be entirely shocked if some people started them because I don't think the matchup is that bad. Brock Purdy against the Rams is very interesting because projections, like I mentioned, are fine. But 250 yards, a little over uh, one and a half touchdowns. Some rushing upside, but not very much. I don't expect him to run a ton. Right around QB 16 on the books, QB 19 on Fantasy Life. I don't even have to do a ton. I really don't. And I'm curious how this Rams defense hold up because they did look pretty good against Seattle. Then you have Mac Jones at QB 17, Derek Carr QB 18. I'm excited to see Carr against Carolina, but that is a Monday night game, so be mindful of that. 
Russell Wilson QB 19, as I mentioned, much lower on the books than they have at Fantasy Life. You have Dak Prescott, woof, way down there. QB 20 on DraftKings, QB 16 at Fantasy Life. Jimmy Garoppolo, QB 25 at Fantasy Life, 21 at DraftKings. And then you have CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Matt Stafford, way down there, as I mentioned. Sam Howell, Zach Wilson, Bryce Young, Josh Jobs, and then Ryan Tannehill, um, I don't have a passing yard line for him yet. That's why his numbers are kind of messed up. But I mean, up against the Chargers, we'll see. Like this Tennessee defense is great, but the offense is kind of the jury is still out. The Chargers had, I believe, the worst defensive performance when you look at it analytically last week. And so we're going to find out pretty quickly whether Tennessee is a bad offense or a okay offense that got shut down by the Saints. Because I do believe the Saints defense is very good. The Chargers defense has pieces, has very highly paid players, but they played like garbage this week. So we're going to see if they can have a better showing this week. Um, We're going to see what the Tennessee Titans can do because DeAndre Hopkins is banged up. So we may not see any Hopkins. And I think uh, potentially we could have a Traylon Burks breakout game. Now, again, it's still against this Chargers defense that has a lot of great defensive backs. And that's one of the reasons why Tannehill's passing yard line isn't out yet is because we're waiting on the status of DeAndre Hopkins and kind of seeing what he can do But even still, I mean, another game that could be a potential shootout if Tennessee can show up and the Chargers can't stop Derrick Henry. We know the Chargers are going to have to pass because they're not going to be able to run the ball very effectively against Tennessee. And especially when you look at some of the past performances, even Kellen Moore had last December in Tennessee. Dak Prescott, two touchdowns, 282 yards. So still pretty solid, right? They ran the ball very ineffectively. I believe that was a game that either Pollard didn't play or Zeke didn't play. And so Malik Davis got some carries, but they only ran for like 65 yards. But Dak threw the ball like 42 times, went way over. And then when Herbert played Tennessee, I believe last year as well, he threw for like 320 yards. But it was the game that he didn't throw the touchdown. And so I believe that was the game that DraftKings did the boost. And everyone took Herbert to throw a touchdown and he didn't, which was absolutely wild. But as you can see, this is just like one technique that you can use when it comes to setting your fantasy lineups. I know this is a little bit all over the place because it was a little bit late. And so I apologize for that. But you can always ask me questions as well, right? Because this is something that I want to incorporate more. It's something that I want to eventually get on the website. The problem is that it takes a lot of data to make that happen and doesn't come until later in the week. But I will definitely try and update you on this and talk about it some more. But this is just one way you can kind of incorporate some of the book information and just look for discrepancies that you find between whether it's fantasy life projections over at my fantasy life, whether it's sleeper projections, and just look to see what do other sources of information tell you and how can you apply that to setting your lineups? Because when it comes to Sundays and you have all this information, you could pretty confidently look at certain players and say, I would rather flex get this guy over that guy. And you can use things like spreads, like totals as indicators as to scoring points. And obviously that will translate to fantasy points. And those are things you can use at your disposal when trying to set your fantasy lineups, looking at things like receiving yard over-unders, reception yard over-unders, and starting to correlate those to what they could mean for fantasy points and comparing those to some of the other players on your teams is much different than just going on ESPN and saying, oh yeah, I'll start this player over this player because one has a 12 point projection on ESPN and the other one has 10. Not to say that those aren't great services, but you can easily go on any sports book and just say, oh, what's this guy's receiving yard number? One's at 65, one's at 70. One is a 50 point over under, one's at 44. One's at plus 110 to score touchdown, one's plus 150, right? And all those correlate to probabilities. And those are things you can use to your disposal. When you start looking at that, you're like, oh, it's pretty clear 
This guy projects for around 12, 13 fantasy points. The other guy is projected right around eight. And these are the reasons why. And this is where all the money's going. It's not going into ESPN's model or, you know, Yahoo's model. It's all going into the sports books because people are trying to make real money. And so is the sports book. So it's literally one of the best data sources you can ever have and is 100% free. And that's why I want you guys to start thinking about it this way, because it is truly one of the best sources for information. And so if you were confused and I was all over the place, the biggest takeaway is to go and check out the sports books. If you are really struggling or you're really unsure what to do, you can ask your favorite fantasy analyst, you can DM them, and you can also go to any of these books and go and check out some of the lines and compare them and quickly do the math and say, what does this correlate to for fantasy points? And is it a reason to take a player over another? Just another way to look at data, another way to interpret data, and more importantly, making smarter decisions and more informed decisions. And that's what I'm here to teach you guys, how to make smarter and more informed decisions. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I am your host, Jordan Richards. This has been Straight to the Bank. I hope that this information can help you cash out this weekend, get some dubs in fantasy football, and I will see you guys next week. Make sure you go and check out the Destination Devi website, which is now live officially. We had a soft launch. We were doing some testing stuff on the back end, but now we are officially 100% live. There's tons of articles and research from all of our different creators. Make sure you check that out, but make sure you tap into the Wake Up Show because I'm pretty sure Ray is going to include a discount code in the show for people to go and use at sign up. So check out the website, check out the articles, check out the content, and I will see you guys next week. I'm out. Peace. San Francisco, where's your disco?